a Dadsnet original podcast. Welcome to season three of the Diffability podcast, brought to you by the Dadsnet and Get Cycling. All kinds of cycles for all kinds of people. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash Diffability to find out more and to book your own demo. I'm Paul and this is Michael. Hello. And we are parents to four children. Our youngest boys are Lawton and Lanson and our eldest twins Levi and Lucas who are diagnosed with autism and epilepsy along with other complex disabilities. And together we are the Atwal Bryce family. In this podcast we'll be taking a look at a range of different conditions that could affect your children and speaking to experts from various organisations to get you the best advice out there. In this episode, we caught up with Rosie from Epilepsy Action to talk all things epilepsy. Obviously, we have a close first-hand experience raising two boys diagnosed with epilepsy, so this interview was really important to us. Rosie was a fantastic guest with a lot of insight and, of course, some fantastic tips for parents raising children with epilepsy. Today is a really important episode because we are very much kindly joined by Rosie from Epilepsy Action. Hi Rosie, it's great to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. And we have previously met, haven't we? (laughs) Yeah. We were just discussing this briefly. We have met when we did some um, Epilepsy Action promo vids, breaking down barriers and talking Real life epilepsy. Yeah. Um, so it's wonderful to see you. Yeah. And, and I hope you don't mind me saying, but you also have epilepsy. And you've just been telling us today you are 10 months seizure free. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> just, you know, when I hear this, when I hear people say that, I just think, will we ever get to a place like that with our boys? And just all those emotions. Well, you know what we think and the passion and how unpredictable the boys' epilepsy is. Yeah. Um, and why talking about epilepsy is so important. Mm-hmm. So we know you used to like volunteer and help out a lot with Epilepsy Action Rosie. And what's your current role now with them? So at the moment, I work as an advice and information officer. So I'm mostly on the phone. So, um, you know, if you give the helpline a call, it's me that answers sometimes. And um, our aim is just to offer, like, answer as many questions as we can about epilepsy and try and offer advice. Um, yeah, so that's what I try and do as best that, as I can. Yeah. Well, you can give the advice from the heart. Yeah. In the real- you're not reading about textbook no. are you you live and breathe it as well yeah and i think that's the best way to give advice to other people if you know a health condition so well there's nobody better than the people that actually have it yeah yeah i think it can really help out sometimes because um i think with epilepsy often it's really hard to sort of say how you're feeling so if you talk to somebody else who although everybody's epilepsy is so different but just gets it even a little bit it is helpful and although the other members of the team are truly fantastic um i think there is that little bit of extra it makes it almost easier for me to understand what people are going through yeah I think people phoning the helpline who have probably just been diagnosed or are worried will get a lot from that, that they're speaking to somebody that's actually 
been through epilepsy, probably tried a lot of different drugs and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. So um, when were you diagnosed, Rosie? I was diagnosed when I was about 13. So I have juvenile myoclonic epilepsy, which is a syndrome. And yeah. yeah, so I was diagnosed at about 13. I got pretty, not lucky is the wrong word, but I think because I fitted into a lot of stereotypes of epilepsy, um, it was easier to diagnose me than it is for lots of people. I sort of ticked all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, why do you think um, epilepsy is so misunderstood, Rosie? I think one of the biggest reasons why epilepsy is so misunderstood is that it just isn't talked about enough. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people um, with epilepsy, including myself, do hide it. And yeah. when epilepsy is discussed on big platforms like um, films and in TV, it's shown in a negative way with ugly and inaccurate stereotypes. And a lot of the time the information is outdated. And yeah. I think if the general population learn about epilepsy through films and TV like that, it's understandable that it's misunderstood. Um, I think also, well, we know that our campaigns team did a survey recently for Purple Day and for National Epilepsy Week, and they found that nearly nine in 10 people believe at least one epilepsy myth. And I think it's something like a third of people think that you should restrain somebody during a seizure, which is really dangerous. So yeah, yeah. epilepsy being misunderstood in ways like that is really scary sometimes. I think that's why we love epilepsy action because they're trying constantly on you to break that down and yeah. the myth and, and things like the big posters and stuff. We've got one on our fridge that tells you what to do in a seizure because a lot of people still think to get put something in and get the tongue out of the mouth and yeah. they only understand the full tonic seizures, all four limbs jerking, not all the different types of seizures like absent seizures and everything else. And we recently put something on social media about the boys' epilepsy and so many people message us saying that their older brother or somebody who had hep epilepsy out in the community were having a seizure on the floor and people just assumed they were drunk and things like yeah. that. And it's just awful, isn't it, to hear them stories. You know, Rosie, though, you know what was a surprise to us is the amount of people that were reaching out to us when we were showing real-life epilepsy and yeah. how it can be. Were professionals? Yeah. At this point, professionals, the amount of teachers... People in educational and nurses, yeah. provisions and nurses were saying thank you because this really does show us what epilepsy can be like. And, yeah. and it's very easy, and I'm going to say this as a parent with two children with complex epilepsy, and you know us, you know us very well. Um, a lot of people hear the word epilepsy and they go, oh, is he, are they epileptic? Have they got epilepsy? And that's it. Yeah. But the real upset to this is it's a life-threatening condition and we know it more than anybody else, yeah. as lots of, lots of people do when Levi is being ventilated on Piku due to his epilepsy, you know. And it's a serious condition. And I always think people don't take it serious enough. No. I'm when you asked um, that question about being misunderstood and with exactly what you were saying there, I think one of the other things I was thinking is, like you said, how it is misunderstood. But also, I think 
one of the reasons is because it's invisible unless somebody's having that tonic clonic seizure or a absent seizure or tonic yeah. seizure Un and so if something's invisible, it's so hard to understand it. And if you haven't, you know, an experience of epilepsy yourself, so know what it feels like, or you haven't got somebody close to you, then just a description of it doesn't really help enough. It's very easy to talk about. Um, so here's a prime example. If we have a new carer that's going to be working in the house with us. Yeah. And They've had all the epilepsy training and we've gone through all the epilepsy and we have shown them videos of how severe it all is. Yes, they get it. It's a completely different thing physically being there and dealing with it. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody else says. It's a very different thing altogether. We can yeah. all sit around the table and talk about epilepsy, but when you're in the moment of dealing with that, epileptic seizure mm. it's a completely different story altogether yeah would you agree with that definitely and I think I speak to parents every day who are whose children have been newly diagnosed or their children have had epilepsy for a long time and often they do just say it's watching that seizure it doesn't matter how um Often, how much you know, how much research yeah. you've done. As soon as you see somebody that you love in that position, it's really scary. And um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have an understanding of what it's like to have a child with epilepsy. I haven't gone through that, but I talk to a lot of parents who tell me, yeah, it is yeah. seeing it. Nobody's ever going to understand how scary that can be. I'm going to ask you a question now, and I'm going to be very open with it as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, what help and support is there out there for people that have epilepsy that epilepsy action can offer? That epilepsy action can offer? Mm. Okay, well, we do have a lot going on, so I think I could fill your entire podcast with everything <laughs> we've got. So I'll scratch the surface and I'm sure I'll miss a lot of people out. So sorry in advance. So we have our services team, so that's people like me. So that's the helpline where we try and answer as many questions as we can about epilepsy. And we also have a lot of our information on our website, which I think, you know, I think what we do quite well is how accessible it is. And that is something that I know the team focus on a lot. So we have things like if the internet isn't your cup of tea, you can download information or you can get it sent to you through the post. And um, yeah. we have a little, it's quite new. It's our accessibilities tool. And so in that, you can have some information read aloud. You can change the language. You can have um, the font and things like that changed. So we try and make it, you know, as accessible to people who from every walk of life as possible and um, then we have things like our talk and support groups so yeah. some of them are face-to-face -face and some of them are run online and that's just where people with epilepsy can speak to other people who have similar experiences and they can learn from each other and we also have separate groups for parents which a lot of people aren't aware of and I always bring them up to parents because I think it's something you know quite unique that you'll go through so speaking to other people can be really helpful who get it or at least get it a bit. We also just introduced a befriending service. So our befriending service is where somebody with epilepsy will be linked with a volunteer. And it's just somebody who's there to listen to what you're going through and hopefully yeah. to sort of support you in making positive changes. 
And then we also, we have our campaigns department. So they're the ones that are constantly fighting for the big changes and raising the issues that people with epilepsy face. So off the top of my head, I know that we've got campaigns running for cost of living. We've got campaigns about medical cannabis in the UK. And we've got campaigns that are just fighting for better support for people with epilepsy. So, you know, that is, I'm very proud of the amount of work that we do. Yeah. And from your personal point of view, Rosie, so say a child now at your age when you were diagnosed and growing up, you know, some employers and stuff, if you're kind of frightened to tell them that you're epileptic and you think it'd be a barrier and stuff, how would you explain that to like parents if the children are just newly diagnosed or if young like teenagers listen to this and they're thinking, oh, this is going to affect me for the rest of my life. It's going to be a blockage, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So there is the Equality Act. So it's the Equality Act of 2010. And then in Northern Ireland, it's a slightly separate name, but it is there to support people who um, have protected characteristics. So that can be things like age, sexuality and disability. So when it comes to work, you are protected under the Equality Act. So that means things like you don't have to disclose um, your disability in certain circumstances. Um, You can choose when you do it. And sometimes that Although sadly, sometimes people do choose to hide it because they feel as though they might not be treated fairly. Well, you know, if somebody hides it, this is what I don't understand. If somebody hides it and they get a job and then they're at work and they have a seizure, who's to help them? Yeah, so it is. I say that from a parent point of view. Yeah. I think they're they're hiding because they're scared it'll be a barrier to That's awful that they have to hide it. 100% and I don't ever want anybody to hide it but my point is if you're in an office and you've got this new job with new people and then suddenly you have a seizure nobody knows you're epileptic how can anybody help you well yeah I think that although when I'm on the helpline I'm talking to people I don't want to tell them what they should or shouldn't do it is everybody's point of view but I think you are right in well no you are right in that and so and I'd also suggest that you know, if you don't tell them, nobody can help you. But also, if you're so scared that that employer isn't going to employ you because of your disability, is that really an organisation that you want to work yeah. for? Because yeah. yeah. I do talk to a lot of people, unfortunately, who are being untreated unfairly at work. And it might be the case that actually, if their employer was aware of that from the get go, they might not have got that job and they might be working with people who fight to get that support for you, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's difficult because I don't want to tell anybody what they can and can't do. And there are some people who don't have tonic clonic seizures. You yeah. know, they might just have a seizure where, for example, they a focal seizure where they have an overwhelming um, sensation of fear or they have deja vu. And for those people saying they have epilepsy, it does sometimes have a negative stereotype that yeah. they choose, they feel as though isn't necessarily helpful. So... It's a really difficult one to answer, but you are right there. The the big misunderstanding, isn't it, that I think everybody hears hears epilepsy and they just think it's the full tonic-clonic. Yeah. When some people just can kind of stare and glaze a little bit. And epilepsy action are big on that, aren't they, promoting the different types of seasons, showing them on on videos and stuff so people are more aware of that there's over 60 different types of seizures but if you're somebody who doesn't know about epilepsy which plenty of people don't know you know it's not you're not a terrible person for not knowing about it but like I was saying earlier you know 
if you, a lot of the time, if you do hear about epilepsy or if people do hear about epilepsy, they jump to that. They don't ask mm-hmm. questions. And something I often tell people when they have epilepsy and they're looking at, you know, they want help at school or they want help at work or other services. Uh, the first thing I say is, if you're going to tell somebody you have epilepsy, tell them about your epilepsy. Otherwise, they're going to make those assumptions from the get-go. You know, they need to know everything. They need to know what type of seizure you have. They need to know how it affects you. They need to know what you're like after the seizure. Otherwise, they're going to jump to that. They're Not necessarily, but they might have the misunderstanding and they might yeah. make unfair judgments. And we, we, That's a really good point. Mm. We, we were kind of, same when we were Levi and Lucas, so... They started with the full tonic-clonic, didn't they? And then uh, Levi would have drop attacks and then they'd have absent seizures. And then so later on, Levi had further testing and were diagnosed with Lenoscastro syndrome. Okay. He was con- constantly just developing new forms of seizures, didn't he? As they're growing, the, everything with their epilepsy is always evolving yeah. and changing. Yeah. And with Lucas for, and for us, yeah. yeah, for years, we've kind of tried to keep slightly ahead of the epilepsy with the drugs yeah and we've never been able to do that we've always been trying to catch up with the epilepsy mm. because it's always changing and evolving and you, you, you know it's so so, so complex yes yeah. so, so complex and i think this is going to be great i have a question for you a personal question yeah and i hope that parents listening to this some of them may think that they're not by themselves. In our house, ever since we have dealt with Levi and Lucas having severe epilepsy throughout the years, and I'm talking years now, we are constantly on edge. Yeah. Constantly on edge. And I think a lot of people don't talk openly about this. Mm. Um, so say, for example, Levi could just be on the sofa watching his iPad. I'm just here in the kitchen. He could just drop his iPad Straight away, my heart jumps and I come racing in and I'm on edge and my heart's pounding and I'm thinking, God, he's had my seizure and he's just sat there smiling, but he's dropped his iPad. And those are the effects that managing children and young people with epilepsy can have Mm. on parents, primary caregivers, uh, whoever is looking after those individuals. And to this day, every time there's a bang in the house, we jump up, and, you know, our hearts are racing and, you know, people are like, oh, God, is this what it's really like? Yeah. And we're like, yeah. And I still think to this day, from Levi being ventilated and on PICU, the impact, mental impact that has on us mm. and throughout the years, I think we have some kind of PTSD there. Yeah. 100%. And a lot of people don't talk about that. No. And I wanted to raise that because it's quite an important thing because I think I certainly have it because I worry all the time. I stress all the time. I go to bed. I have to get up. I have to check the cameras. I have to do this. I have to do that just to make sure everything's all right. Yeah. You know, if Levi's just moving around, where is he? You know, that is what life is like for us. And I think a lot of people don't talk about that no. side of things when epilepsy can be so complex and serious. Yeah. And 
you know, I talk to parents who say exactly what you just said there. And often the first thing I'll say to them is, you know, you're not alone. And exactly what I just said there, I talk to parents who say the exact same thing. It often feels as though a lot of people are going through the same, you know, not exactly the same, but similar emotions. But as you said, people don't talk about it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think we need to do more work yeah. on that. Yeah. As, as par- how it affects parents, how it affects the siblings and everybody within the household. Yeah. Because, you know, it is, it is a huge. Yeah. Health um, I know earlier you were asking me about what support is out there for people with epilepsy and you've just mentioned that you know I do get asked that sometimes and then people I think often don't think about the specifics so you'll say what support and there's loads of support it's just finding exactly what's right for you and that although we'd love to be able to do it and hopefully one day in the future it might be something we're able to offer but at the moment we don't but there are organizations that do things like have support for siblings have support for families to have um days out go on holiday have um social groups that they can go to so there is you know that what you're talking about there which sometimes when people talk about epilepsy you think seizures you don't think all the other impacts that it has and so as you said yeah getting that support for the entire family and for parents and for siblings is really important for you but also helps with the epilepsy because here we are we have loads in the lands who are five Uh, one of the boys having a seizure the other day the five-year-old passes us passes the house phone to us and say Daddy, do you need to ring nine nine nine? And you know, and it's 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 great that they are growing up with older siblings with disabilities and mm. difficulties and different health conditions because they're being educated at the same time. But from a parent point of view, sometimes that really really pulls. Yeah, yeah. you're thinking you're just yeah. a five year old kid as yeah. well. And this is the part of epilepsy people don't talk about. Yeah, and I really want to do more work on this. And I think yeah, like companies as well need to be more understanding. So say you could book a theme park trip and you you have to pay for it in advance for your whole family. And then if one of the boys has a really bad seizure, that's it. people don't realise that it's not the seizure, then five minutes later they get up the fine. It can knock them out for the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's that misunderstanding that oh it's just it's a seizure, you'll be all right in ten minutes. Well, actually for a lot of people it, it can wipe them out for the whole day, it can be exhausting. If they've been in like a five minute tonic clinic, they're about to have rescue drugs, you know, uh, the the we know epilepsy epilepsy <laughs> epilepsy action do loads and loads for this, but it just needs we just need to get it out there much more. Obviously we've done a lot with epilepsy action and it's great and the support groups and just things like, say, we were going on holiday abroad and we were really struggling for um, insurance for the boys. It was coming in really expensive. Mm-hmm. We know that you guys have different uh, companies and stuff that you can pinpoint people to for things like that as well, just practical things, uh, help and advice that we've used before. Because your website is really detailed and does contain a lot on it, doesn't it? Yeah. And whilst you're on, actually, I'm going to ask you something, a favour. We're going away at the end of this year. Could you send over some great insurance companies for our boys <laughs> to help with their epilepsy. And I say that because we don't want to be ripped off. It's all yeah. Yeah, because it a lot of these companies do rip mm-hmm. families off as well. Because if the questions they ask, when were they last unconscious, you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. 
that was what, 20 minutes ago? <laughs> you, you know, and that's yeah. the relative, or when were they last hospitalized? Oh, we've had it. There goes a few hundred pounds already yeah. straight on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really hard to I get think, those yeah. specific insurances yeah. in place so, to be able to give the kids yeah. the best way of life that they should be having. Yeah. They're kind of penalised, aren't they, for having that condition when, so I think one time we had to pay about £2,000, didn't we, because Levi yeah. had been hospitalised and they ask how many drugs they're on and how many times they have a seizure, and you can't lie because it's all no. recorded. And, um, you but, can't. And you're, yeah. it won't cover you then. So, no. yeah, not worth lying. No. One thing we do recommend, because we do get asked about things like that a lot, and something yeah. I we recommend is, and although it's infuriating that you have to do it, give as many people a call as you can, get as much information as you can, and know your rights. Because some people are going to try and, you know, mess you around a bit. And yeah. some people just aren't great. And so yeah. finding those people who are actually going to be helpful, who are actually listening to what you need is really important. And um, so, yeah, definitely give everybody a good call. Find out as much as you can. Yeah. And there are also those, organiza- you know, some organizations out there that help people with disabilities go on holiday, that um, even provide holidays for people with disabilities. Yeah. So sometimes we think oh insurance we need to get that sorted and you don't necessarily think oh actually maybe I could just look for an organization that helps people go on holiday with disabilities but that is something out there yeah 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 and I think that's what more people like yourself if we're talking about it and then obviously once this podcast goes out people need to be aware of that don't they and it's just getting that message out there isn't it to people that there is a lot of things and it is a lot easier now because you can just type it in on the internet and things crop up. Yeah. But people need to, to treat it. It is, a, it, it is a disability. It can be really debilitating, especially if it's severe. Um, and, yeah, it's just making sure people access that support. Isn't there? Like yeah. some organisations provide, we know they provide anti-suffocation p- pillars and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's just getting that out there, isn't it? To... Or epilepsy alarms for the beds, which I have to say, in just our opinion, was <laughs> catastrophic. Yeah. Because every time they moved, it went off. Mm. So we would dart into their bedroom, and They're their bedroom is literally next to us, and they had just rolled over yeah. or gone on the side. So that gave us even less sleep. <laughs> and we were like, we can't. <laughs> oh, this is making us even worse. I'm going to. Yeah. Be it like a nervous wreck. Yeah. I all, not that I already am because I am. But I do want to ask you what top three tips do you have for parents supporting children, young people, and adults with epilepsy? So I had a really good think about this one. I think I jotted down a bunch of answers and I was trying to decide what I think is best because there's so many. Yeah. The first one that I think is the most important, and if people call me, I bring it up straight away, is making sure that your child takes their medicine as accurately as possible if they're on medicine. So we know the biggest seizure trigger for people with epilepsy is not taking their medicine correctly. And I don't want to scare anyone by saying that, you know, because people make mistakes, things happen. But trying as hard as you can to make sure medicine is taken as accurately as possible to how a pediatrician or a doctor prescribes is really important. And it will also put your mind at ease. 
And there are things out there that sort of can help you with um, taking your medicine properly. So that can be things like dosset boxes. So they're the ones that say, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, morning, evening, afternoon, and then um, alarms. I find alarms quite helpful in remembering mine. I think something we forget is people with epilepsy have bad memory. So you have to take yeah. your medicine on time, but you also memory doesn't help you with that. So yeah. finding the little things that help you is good. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you actually hear people saying what you've just said about the medicine. It's something you think is so simple, but it's so important. Yeah. And- and I think also something that a problem that crops up with that is that I will, somebody will have had a breakthrough seizure and I'll ask them about their medicine and they might say things like, oh, well, I take it when I wake up and that's great. And then, but then for them, that could be 6am or half 11. And that's a big time difference. Yeah. So yeah. although it's frustrating having to take it at the same time, it is important. Yeah. Yeah, we we notice a big difference with that. Uh, yeah. We have to be regimental here. So, uh, like, so for us uh, with the boys, evening meds always have to be at five. Yeah, because then throughout the night yeah, you start to see when they start to wear off. Okay. That we we start to see quite a bit of that when the start the medicine is starting to wear off and they need the morning dosage and all. I think yeah, the most difficult thing for us with the medications is when we go to like America and the yeah. time zones. and you have to work out how to do it. If you stay, you try and push them a bit longer so you get them into the new time zone and yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can. People can ask their doctors, um, pharmacists or paediatricians for advice about that. Yeah. Um, I think often we're a bit scared to ask too much of people or you think that you're pestering people. But if you are concerned that you're not taking your medicine properly, you can ask them. Yeah. Um, if it's a really extreme circumstance, you can call 111. Um, for, you know, if you think you've had an overdose or you think you've forgotten them, because um, it is a worry. So, yeah, you can always ask people for advice about things like going on holiday. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, Rosie, I'll... That's, a, no, that's just number one. Oh, was that just number one? <laughs> Sorry, I went off in a tangent. <laughs> no, it's really, well. no, it's really important information. <laughs> Stop here, yeah? No, no, sorry. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> She's got all her answers down, don't you? It, was that number one, Rosie? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'll go quicker. No, you don't have to. No, you don't have to. And top tip number two, Rosie. Top tip number two. You <laughs> don't have to rush it. My second tip would be to learn as much about your child's epilepsy as you can. So we sort of touched on this earlier, um, but that would be things like how long the seizure usually lasts. What do their seizures usually look like? Do they have seizure triggers or what might they be like after their seizures? So that information is helpful for you to support your child, but it's also helpful for paediatricians and it can be helpful for making care plans and risk assessments. Because you all provide a lot of stuff like this, don't you? Yeah. So, so, so this, this came like it's so you can do a diary of it. And I know yeah. a lot of people won't see this, obviously, because it's a podcast. But um, epilepsy actions, like stuff that they can send out from the website and stuff. So this is a seizure diary. Yeah. But the date, time, length of seizure, and notes because the paediatricians and GPs will always ask you for this. Yeah. You guys are really good at the leaflets and you know the posters and stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, I think people need to be aware of that because we've ordered them a few times before off the website, haven't we? 
And you can, I think you can just download them and print them yourselves and stuff now as well, can't you? Yeah, you can. And some people choose to make their own. I think yeah. ours can sometimes be a really helpful template. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, being able to look at your own um, or find something that suits you a little bit better, with, um, you know, what? won't be offended. And, and then you do, yeah, the little cards and stuff that they'll say, oh, I've got epilepsy and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I think... Could you please send us some of those? <laughs> yeah, we can. We want everything. Mugs. Want... We've had mugs before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. if you want to send us some mugs as well. <laughs> Chantal, Chantal, if you're listening to this, can you please send us some mugs, some <laughs> pens, a bit of merchandise, and uh, uh, most important, I have epilepsy cards, please. And T-shirts. Yeah. T-shirts. All, you? Yeah. <laughs> the jumpers are great. I'll be saying, yes, Paul, I'll send this to you. <laughs> Next year, you've got to run the London Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> that's what she'll be saying. Oh, that's the card, isn't it? <laughs> um, but what is top tip number three? Top tip number three is to learn um, what your child is entitled to and how they should be treated. So, that can be things as simple as knowing that they're, um, they have to be supported at school or in clubs and knowing what medical support they're entitled to. Unfortunately, sometimes I do speak to parents whose children are being discriminated against or treated unfairly. And a lot of the time, we're just not prepared for things like that. And it can be so upsetting when it happens. Mm. So just having an understanding before or just hopefully in case something does happen can be really useful. Just knowing what they're supposed to be getting as well. Yeah. So, so I would you know, recommend that. Rose, so, like, so an epileptic child's at school and wants to go to the after-school club and school say, uh, sorry, we haven't got enough support for that school club to support the epilepsy, that would be wrong, wouldn't it? So you, it's it's a difficult one because it does vary hugely depending on um, the support that that per, that's not necessarily the school, but the after-school club can provide, who's yeah, available, yeah. how much support is needed. But a school needs to make reasonable adjustments to support yeah. your child. Now, yeah. Reasonable adjustments can be a bit tricky because it is a bit of a grey area. Although you need to make them, what's seen as reasonable and isn't reasonable can sometimes be a bit of a tricky one. More in work than at school. But yes, they do need to give reasonable adjustments and knowing that should happen. You know, sometimes I talk to parents and they'll say, oh, we have to, you know, my kid's not allowed to go on any of the school trips and they're not allowed to take part in sports day and they're not allowed to go to after school clubs. You know, are they allowed to do this? And I think absolutely not. Mm. I'm so yeah. sorry that they went through that. And yeah. I think if you're not aware of that from the get go, how are you supposed yeah. to know if the school's telling you they can't do it? We yeah. trust our yeah. schools, don't we? So and we, we always remember things like that. We are boys, don't we? With, um, swimming and the epilepsy nurse, our epilepsy nurse saying to us, it shouldn't exclude the boys from doing anything. No. As long as things are in place, obviously the boys would wear extra and extra yeah, yeah. a life vest or something. There'd be extra people in with them, uh, and it's just about supporting them to be able to do every, everything that everybody else can into. That mm-hmm. it shouldn't really affect that, but um, yeah, it is. It's uh, hard because you don't want the epilepsy to control their life. No, that is the difficult part of it all. But yet, yeah, when you try to do things sadly in the real world it does control the day's events but by not giving up and still pursuing those days out and you know doing everything you can I think that's the only attitude we we 
kind of yeah. really have. And um, can, can you guys support with things like if a parent wanted to put in for disability living allowance or any HCP, can you kind of guide them and pinpoint them for things like that, Rose? So we have a bit of information about it, but we're not trained benefit yeah. advisors and we yeah. don't have the capacity to sort of help people in completing forms. No. But there is stuff out there that do. It's yeah. sometimes just about finding it. I'd say yeah. for almost every benefit I've heard of, there are guidelines out there. There's organisations who've made top tips. Um, there's organisations who have templates to help you fill them out. And then there's organisations who actually can help you fill out forms yeah. or who can can answer more questions about them. You've got Citizens Advice, Turn to Us, um, I think Money Helper. They're all organisations that can answer a lot more questions than we can, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just finding that support. Yeah, yeah. And Rosie, sadly, our time is coming to an end. But Rosie from Epilepsy Action, I just want to say thank you so much. But before we finish, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you all on your social media platforms, etc. So I know that you can find everything on our website. If you just go to Epilepsy Action. And oh, that's a cop out. Yeah, it is. And then um, things like we're on Health Unlocked and we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram just under Epilepsy Action. Yeah. It's not, it's not yeah. very exciting. We don't have very... <laughs> we've just hey, um, got our little name. Yeah, I'm just thinking how... Um, calming and relaxing your voices you know to be on the outline <laughs> do people ever say that to you Rosie they do actually it's quite a nice compliment I have a I have a very good day after that <laughs> feel very cocky really calming isn't she and like well thank you so much Rosie from Epilepsy Action joining the Difficulty Podcast yeah. talking all things epilepsy it's been a a joy to have you with us today and we appreciate every single bit of advice you have given us so thank yeah. you oh thank you well thank you for having me there are loads of ways get cycling can get your child out on a bike with their aid of specialist cycles and they have a lot of experience of working with children with epilepsy Recently, they helped a family to purchase a Bambuk tandem tricycle for their son with epilepsy. The tricycle has recumbent seats rather than saddles, three wheels for stability, and a harness too. Other options include a fail-safe brake where you have to hold the lever to go and it brakes when you release. That means that if your child has a seizure, the bike stops and they are safe. Whatever condition your children have been diagnosed with, Get Cycling can help get them out and about on a specialist bike. Head over to getcycling.org.uk forward slash differability to find out more and to book your own demo. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Differability. If you have enjoyed this podcast, found it useful or even just learned something new, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. It helps to get this show out even more where parents really do need that support. And take a look through the back catalogue. There may be more shows in this series that can help you in your journey raising a child with their very own disability.